0: There'll always be the argument that video games are meant to be played for fun. Believe me, some of it's a lot of fun. Video games are meant to be played at home, relaxing, on a couch, amongst friends, and they are, and that's fun. But competitive gaming, when you want to attach your name to a world record, when you want your name written into history,
1: you have to pay the price. Everybody knows Fight was fixed. The poor, stay poor Welcome, everyone, to the Hollywood View Guys podcast. I am your host Donnie, and today I am joined by the Cavalcade of Trio Movie Reviewers: Randy, Michael, and Ducey. Fellas, please introduce yourselves. I'm Randy. I'm Mike,
0: and I'm Ducey. Thanks for th- uh, thanks for having me on as a guest here. Yeah. And uh, I just got to get this out of the way first. I was never a Hollywood video kid. That's right. <laughs> I was all blockbuster. So I, thanks for allowing me to still be on here. I, was <laughs> this
1: the first time you were on, Ducey? Did you record this before for a movie one? Oh, no. Okay, I guess we only talked about it then, right? We yeah. crossed over with the video game one. Yeah. I do recall yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on here. This is our, our fifth, sixth episode. I don't even know what it is. Sixth, I think. Or No, I think it'll be fifth. This is our fifth episode. Fifth. So we're getting in the swing of things. We're starting to try different formats, try new things going to some other movies that maybe aren't so you know, well-covered in <laughs> in most senses. Luna's chimed in about this as well. Yeah, she uh, loves it. Yes, very much so. So for this episode, we're going to review one of our favorite documentaries. At least it's one of my favorite documentaries. The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. <laughs> Fellas, uh, what history do you have with this movie, if any? Uh, we, we saw it in theaters. I'm pretty
2: sure I saw it with all of you. If not, I saw it, Mm-mm. I saw it with one of, I know I saw it in the theaters and I think I saw it at least with Dawn uh, or some, I don't know, but I saw it in theaters and it was back when, you know, documentaries used to be in theaters. They don't actually do that anymore. But there was that time where like Fahrenheit 9-11, you had the fog of war, you had this movie. Um, a lot of these movies were, uh, documentaries were coming out in movie theaters. You don't, you know, obviously with streaming, it's probably one of the formats that you don't see in theaters really anymore, but it was awesome. I loved it. It's just a great movie.
0: Yeah, they Man. were
3: typically at more like an independent theater, which is where we also saw Senna, I believe. Yeah, another
0: great I wish documentary. I had seen Senna, yeah, yeah, it was I a good experience. I think I borrowed. It. Did you have this in a physical form? King of Kong. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, I think I, remember, I, I borrowed
1: it from you. I'm pretty sure I let you borrow it and you watched it with your parents, if I recall. Maybe <laughs> it I sounds just, like something that was I was familiar. living with
0: them at the time. I do remember that, but it was also probably one of the first documentaries I watched on purpose. That wasn't just like randomly on the History Channel or something. Like I actually. Wanted to see this and and borrowed it from you. Yeah. Teacher
3: didn't just put it on for yeah. you and was like, "Watch this now."
1: I wish they did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this movie for me, uh, I I I can't remember why it caught my eye. I, I I'm trying to remember if I knew of Billy Mitchell and and you know what this movie was. I just know that when I saw the trailer for it, it looked absolutely ridiculous. It just looked like it was speaking to me as a game nerd. Mm. Uh, so to set up the story here, this whole documentary, it's it's a pretty short one. It came out in 2007. Uh, It's directed by Seth Gordon. He actually did a few movies that we're familiar with, which I didn't know at all. He did uh, Four Christmases, Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief, the recent (laughs) Baywatch remake, which I did not watch. And I don't think many people did. And he also did a couple other documentaries. He did Bill Nye the Science Guy, and he did a uh, high school football documentary called Undefeated, which I'm not familiar with at all. Undefeated is really good, yeah. He did, like, episodes of Bill Nye? No, there's a, I guess there's a Bill Nye Science Guy documentary. Oh, wow. I'm not sure when it was released, but he had directed it as well. But I think these are kind of, you know, they're, they're, I don't think he's well-known for his documentaries. It just happened to be like when I looked them up, he directed <laughs> this, and yeah. I saw his other movies that were familiar.
2: I had no idea he did Horrible Bosses, and I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. it has got the same, you know, the humor I get. Like, he's good with humor. Like He's yeah. good with showing humor, and there's a lot of humor in this movie, and he's really good at, like, punctuating jokes and things like that. You can definitely make it. You can tell that he's a good humor,
1: di- like, comedy director. So this movie, it's a it's about two, uh, we'll call them video game competitors, because that's kind of what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Billy Mitchell. He's this long-haired, um, how would you describe, like, he's long-haired, he's got a beard, kind of, he actually kind of looks like me, I think, in some regards, which yes. is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's I've like gotten the, that feedback before.
2: He's like the video game version of MAGA, is like the best, like making, like the same <laughs> idea, like the same qualities of, as a MAGA person, but imagine there's like a video game nerd and he, he got Billy he, Mitchell. He,
3: he is exactly what the biggest nerd you know's idea of cool is. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think exactly. that yes. might be the most <laughs> yeah. way yeah. of putting it. So, so
1: Billy Mitchell, he's uh, he's one of the stars of the movie, to say the least. He's sort of the, the big, awesome guy who's broken a lot of world records in the game of Donkey Kong, which is what this movie revolves around, is Donkey Kong, which came out in 1985. All of us have played it. It's one of the most iconic arcade games released in history. But in the 80s... Billy Mitchell was arguably the king of arcade games, as he's described, which is sort of the, the, whole, the whole gimmick here in the title of the King of Kong. So you have Billy Mitchell, who he has, at this time in the movie, around 2007, he had the record for Donkey Kong, which is recorded at Twin Galaxies, which is an arcade mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Midwest, uh, where he's very well-renowned, and he's sort of almost seen as a god in this mm-hmm. at, that, at that location. And then there's, the, or there's Steve Wiebe, as it spelled, or excuse me, as as it said, W I E B. We mentioned that because they called Steve Weeb a lot. Yeah, a lot of people in this movie, everybody. <laughs> yeah, they all call him Steve Weeb. It's so weird. <laughs>
3: to, to be fair, though, if you saw that for the first time and you didn't know him, and if you called him Weeby, you you're fully expecting him to roll his eyes at you. Oh yeah, yeah and tell you that the E is silent. Yeah, but, but it's not. Yeah, it would
1: almost sound like you're you're you know you're poking fun at that exactly. Point yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess I could understand that it too. It's just funny at the movie, like you know, there's several points where they they intentionally call him Steve Weeb over and over and over. And then he finally corrects it at so the end funny. of the movie. At the very, yeah, last, the last, part, very at the last part of the movie. <laughs> so Steve Weeb he's the he's sort of the, the up and comer, the underdog of the story here where he's a he's a normal guy. He's a he's very well versed in music. He's a substitute teacher like no i think he's a regular teacher he's a regular oh he's a science, regular yeah, science, science teacher, teacher. i, I think yeah. it was a substitute In high school I, school I must be confusing you with walter white and breaking bad for some reason. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah who was also a regular teacher. he was a regular teacher. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know who i'm confusing with uh, peggy so, hill yeah, yeah. yeah so steve yeah. Wiebe is like the opposite of billy mitchell right yeah he's the he's the guy who's got the two kids he's a normal family man this whole movie is revolved around how he's the good guy in the story. Really, it's Billy Mitchell bad, Steve Weeby good.
2: Yeah, it's a protagonist antagonist setup where uh, Steve is the pro and he's the uh, David. Billy, yeah, Billy is the antagonist of the movie. Yeah. yeah, and
1: that and that's the thing is like this movie is literally just about these. We'll call them just like a group of nerds. We can say that because we're all nerds here. Yeah, <laughs> there are a group of nerds who are all vying are seeing like this competition unfold between Billy Mitchell and Steve Weeby. So. At the very beginning of the movie, they, they open up with a quote, which I think is very apt for, <laughs> for saying that the tone of the movie. It's by William S. Burroughs, and it says, This is a war universe, war all the time. There may be other universes, but ours seems to be based on war and games. <laughs> it's
2: true. And that's true. That's the setup for the movie it's, pretty well. Yeah.
1: It, it sets it all up, because in the beginning, you have Billy Mitchell, who is sort of setting up how you have to, in order to claim the title of world record in Donkey Kong, you have to pay the price. <laughs>
3: What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw what it means. The price look of your at, popularity look at how much it dominated Steve Weeby's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but, so but at least he did, didn't. He did pay a price, but he
1: didn't lose his family. At least, no, <laughs> yeah. So, so like this movie is just so filled with characters. I know we all have favorites here. Yeah, but right off the bat, you're, you're introduced to Billy Mitchell and all of his just his ego and like his, his sayings. Like he has all these ridiculous saying is in quotes that he just spits off like nothing
2: and he has like a cult of personality that follows him around like he has a whole group of people who are kind of it's not that far off to say they worship him like that's that's how the love that a lot of these people have for billy mitchell is like a cult it's weird it's weird how much they like him yeah.
0: my i think my favorite is the guy who because at the beginning when they were all getting together as the tops of their games i think billy was on centipede And then there was that other
1: guy, Steve. Steve Sanders. Yeah. This was in the 80s. Yeah, Yeah. who
0: was on... He was on Donkey Kong, but he had totally lied about it. And Billy, like, blew him away... In person, and so he just latched on to Billy and was like, "Okay, teach me, master." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he, he was, cut to him for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was very much just he.
1: He just yeah, he just kneeled before him like yeah. soon as he lost. He's like, "All right, well, I guess we're best friends now." You're like the best at <laughs> Donkey Kong and Pac Man. The whole reason that Billy Mitchell is set up in that way, like he's sort of like the god of this of this Midwest town. I forget exactly where Twin Galaxies. I think is it Minnesota, it, Iowa. I, I believe it it Iowa? it's Iowa. Okay, yeah, so it's like middle yeah. nowhere, Iowa. So Billy Mitchell in the '80s, he. Had the record for Pac Man, and he also got to what they call the kill screen, which is where the game ends up going through all of its boards, which is 255, and then once it's 256, the game can't render it anymore, so it just basically breaks, and there's all this garbled stuff on there. Mm-hmm. He was the first to do that, he's the first to sort of uh, make Donkey Kong, I guess, the beast it was with his high score. And then the beginning of the movie is all about how how you know welcoming gaming is right like there's the <laughs> there's the weight glove guy which you love to make fun of he's the best yeah <laughs> there's, there's this one player in there uh he's got a weight glove on him and he plays with it. he plays a trackball game i don't remember what it was it might have been it, it was
2: the, i don't even said what it was marble
1: madness oh Marble right. yeah 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 I think you right. right. which
0: i didn't know had a
2: trackball
1: back then i didn't know that yeah. either actually yeah <laughs> He's one of those who just kind of talks about how even grandma can play video games. They basically want to talk about how easy it is to get in the games, but how hard everything is to master. Well, I think he even says that, like, gaming in
2: general, not even just, like, board games. Because when he's talking about his grandma, he's saying that, like, even your grandma plays, like, Parcheesi, and, like, that's a game, right? And video games are just an extension of that.
1: That's right, yeah. yeah, It's more of just gaming in general, like Mm -hmm. any kind of game, yeah. So at this point, the movie goes into uh, Walter Day and Twin Galaxies, and Walter Day is the other sort of... uh, He's supposed to be kind of like the middle ground person, right? Like, he's the ref. He's like the Yoda of the... The Yoda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does have a lot of wise sayings on there. Yeah. Uh, so, Walter Day owns Twin Galaxies, which is sort of the official... A uh, place where they, they hold all the records or they, they store all the records for the, for the games on there. It's a pretty sweet arcade, too. I think it's a really awesome arcade. I would love to visit cool. it I wouldn't want to go all the way to Idaho, Iowa to go no. visit it, but <laughs> it does seem pretty cool. <laughs> I would recommend you guys go to uh, Galloping Ghost in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. yeah, That place. I went there once like five years ago. and It was one of the best experiences ever. It's like <laughs> I feel like America. we have to go to
2: California Extreme first if we're going to go anywhere. That's true.
1: That. We should have gone. It just passed uh, yeah. last weekend, Yeah, and we weren't able to go, unfortunately. So So Walter Day, he's a big piece of the movie. With that, like, what were you guys' first impressions of Walter Day? Because he does a lot of weird. I guess we'll call him weird, but it's just him being him. Like, he's he's his own personality.
3: Um. Oh man, there's just what quick can you say about this guy? (laughs) I do remember when I was rewatching this just the other day. Uh, when he had that scene with his guitar and he's singing out in the freaking creepiest, cold. oh yeah, <laughs> the weirdest song. It's I so am- weird. I immediately went to see if he was uh, on
1: Spotify. So. He is but Steve Wiebe is. Steve yeah, Wiebe is, he does that's like Christian correct. rock.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah his
1: uh, his album, at least his first album, I think, it was called the uh, the King of Song. Yeah, yeah, which the King of Song. <laughs> yeah, which. Happened after. I think he was trying to ride the coattails of where we had left with King of Kong. Yeah, Walter, like he kind of fancies himself a hippie, but he's he's not.
2: But he kind of so like his songs that he sings, the, it, to set it up, he's in like rural Iowa in front of this dilapidated barn with an acoustic guitar, and he's singing quite frankly one of the weirdest songs I've ever heard in my life like there's no rhyme or reason for like the melody doesn't make sense This the rhyme structure doesn't really make sense were he, there words yeah he goes from like <laughs> <laughs> he starts singing and he hits this ridiculous
1: falsetto like yeah, halfway through that's all I and remember it's, it's like Y-y-y-y. yeah yeah <laughs> like, I'll so... see I'll see if I can slip it in right here this is who I really am
2: I'm some guy who's supposed to be an artist who's up there just getting wild and crazy oh,
1: didn't I tell you you I'm being, I'm being Mr. Scorekeeper.
2: Yeah, it's so, it's just so bizarre. But and, to kind of go to the person he is, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk no, about it. No, no. Uh, kind of the person he is, he's actually, other than the weird music that he sings, he's actually a really interesting kind of, he's kind of like the dad of these people. He gets duped by Billy a little bit, you can tell in the movie, but he does seem to be, maybe not the voice of reason, but the most understanding and the most welcoming of people in the movie.
1: Yeah, I think he tries to be impartial. And but sometimes like you, like you said he's easily to be swayed in one direction especially mm-hmm. which, which we'll talk about later with Billy. Yeah. Um, but Ducey, what would you <laughs> what did you think of all today when he when he first showed up there? So
0: it kind of goes into what you just said we were going to talk about later was like you couldn't I couldn't tell what side he was on because he he did a really good job setting this up and becoming like the the place for all the the records, but then he immediately sided with Billy in certain things coming up that's like that's not very impartial of you. Like
2: he says that he's like tied to Billy a little bit too, that like Billy's success reflects on twin Galaxy, So that could yeah. be a little bit of mm-hmm. why he's so willing to yeah, um, I get that. Yeah. go with Billy is because he understands that like, that's his cash cow, <laughs> you know, that's the bunny. That's the guy who's bringing the money for him. It absolutely yeah,
3: he's, is. He's not a bad guy by any means. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a pretty nice dude. I, I just don't think he really sees things the same way that the viewer sees obviously. Mm-hmm. So he was very easily swayed by Billy, and not noticing those double standards that all of a sudden he's imposing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next person I want to talk about, because this is also one of my favorite people in this movie, is uh, Robert Mirzek. Oh, yeah, he's one of the. He's he's actually one of the head referees at Twin Galaxies. He's the guy who, Classic. again, one at least for me, one trend I, or one trait I see with a lot of these guys, especially on Billy's side, is sort of the ego these guys have, where they're really trying to illustrate how much power they kind of have indirectly, right? Like, Robert Mirzik is, is, is talking about how difficult his job is as a reviewer, where he's talking about, he's like, I got all these VHS tapes, someone's got to go through 48 <laughs> yeah. tapes and 40 hours of a Nibbler run. Yeah. These things have to go through and be verified. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> he's like one of my favorites just for that reason, because he's immediately just trying to strike up how important he is to Twin Galaxies and Walter Day and in this whole movie. Yeah, He also is like, if, if nobody
0: out there listening to this is watching this movie just think
2: stereotypical serial killer yeah yeah <laughs> ta da <he did. laughs> i know in my head i said oh he's the guy with the glasses and then i was like oh wait like every nerd yeah. has glasses. <laughs> but he had those you know the gold frame ones yeah. that all the killers seemed to like back then like you know you were talking about ego and i think that that's it's an interesting part of this movie is how much the egos are inflated and I think it's because, okay, we're we're unabashedly nerds. All four of us are unabashedly nerd, grew up nerds. So having an ego as a nerd is almost not heard of because you couldn't because you're getting picked on all the time. You're doing <laughs> things, you know, like it's not. So I think that when you fall into a place where everybody's the same and you could finally have this ego, you run wild with it because you never were afforded the ability to have one before. So it definitely plays into it. I think it also
0: helps that like... This documentary was being made, and as soon as the cameras started rolling, yeah. Yeah. they were like, "Hey, look at me! Look we're, at what I do! We're cool!" Yeah, that's a good point. I think
1: that's a big thing. It's like, yeah, people do act differently when they cameras on them, and especially with these guys, where they probably don't know how to act to begin with. Like, they might be, they may have some sort of social anxiety, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then you turn the camera on them, all of a sudden they're turning their thumbs up to eleven, <laughs> but they're going to make them sound, sound themselves sound really, really good. Mm-hmm. So we, the next person that. I think he's probably the most important person in the movie next to Billy Mitchell and Steve Weavey, which I think might be all of our collective favorites. <laughs> Brian Koo. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this I hate that guy. <laughs> so, Brian Koo, he's literally like Billy Mitchell's right-hand man. This guy is like the mole of moles. He's like he has to be the most bizarre character in this movie, he, right? He
3: is the Star Scream to Billy's yeah. <laughs> Megatron, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Iago to his Jafar, yeah. yeah. And like, I use that because I really feel like that entire gang of the little Clicky Billy Mitchell gang they're all like transformers inspector gadget level of yeah villainy of, yeah villainy exactly. <laughs> yeah. they're not they're not like awful people yeah. they're not evil people <laughs> they're just what kids would laugh at yeah they're yeah. Car- they're cartoonish for sure they, they are, are villainy
1: yeah so so those that handful of characters we just kind of went through those are really the core of this movie that make up basically the entire a movie and all the events that are going to unfold so throughout the movie there's a lot set up of how they're going for the records, like Billy's experience. And it's always, Billy's already accomplished all this (coughs) stuff. So he's in the point of just sort of like loading what he's done. He owns a restaurant business with a hot sauce. Yeah. And he loves to talk about that. I've had the hot sauce. It's freaking delicious. <laughs> did
2: you uh, did you get it from a spot where he like moved it so that it was in front of other hot sauces? <laughs> <No. laughs> Look at the movie, <laughs> making sure he's taking up more space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what that was really, like one of my favorite scenes is when he just like intentionally moves hot sauce out of the way so that he'd pull his hot sauce to the we front. Used,
1: we used to call that laser laying at Circuit City. Yeah, laser laying. Yeah, used, to put, laying. The, yeah, used yeah. to put the product up to the front of the yeah. shelf and everything. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing stuff like that, and then um, Steve Wiebe, It's basically just. You know, it's his journey to get for one to compete, how he's practicing Donkey Kong and him to get to beat the score for uh, or beat, you know, Billy's score, which was at the time it was eight hundred seventy three thousand three. excuse me, eight hundred seventy four thousand three hundred. I've played Donkey Kong a lot. I don't think I've come close to like fifty thousand.
0: No, I uh, in fact, after watching that, I played it on just on Nintendo. Yeah. I and I think I got to like thirty eight thousand. No, not even thousand. Maybe thousand. Yeah. Oh, I was
1: gonna say if you got three hundred. That would be funny, but three yeah. thousand still pretty good. Yeah. I, was a pretty I good score. Yeah, I
2: played it and didn't get past the first level. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this game. I hate this game. It's so hard. It's so unintentional, like unnecessarily hard. Very quickly. Mm-hmm. Once I figured out how to get past the first level, I was able to. But like, the, there's like ten minutes where I was like dying eat every
3: time because it's hard. It's a hard game. Well, they, I, I I haven't played it in a long time, but I can safely tell you, I've never been past level three. If I've been past the second level.
1: I can tell you guys I've beaten the first four levels twice, looped, because in Donkey Kong 64, in order to get 101%, and you had to get, like, a golden coin, I think it was, Mm -hmm. a golden banana, you had to beat Donkey Kong the arcade game twice in a row. Oh. So that took me forever because I won 101%, but that was, you know, like, 24 years ago. Well,
0: you also need that coin to, like, finish the game. It's even before the, the collect everything.
1: Oh, but I think... You had to do, do loop well, it twice though, because you beat it once. You beat the four loops once, and you get a coin, yeah. I think. And you have to do it twice to get the banana. Yeah, yeah. next episode
2: one? of Legion Gaming, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, this might be a uh, this might be a uh, one teaser. Yeah. <laughs> not really. It's not. It's not. We're close, <laughs> but yeah. depends on what happens. Yeah. Um,
0: I had a question. They never show it in the in the movie, but does the arcade come with that Pie Factory level? That's not on Nintendo.
1: Yes, because. Yeah, there's four initial levels, and I think you just lose two. So, yeah, I remember the yeah. pie one on there.
0: But uh, On the arcade, but it, on the Nintendo... The arcade, yes. On Nintendo, they took that one out. You only go through the, the one everybody knows, um, the elevator one, and then you immediately go to the one where you're trying to knock
1: Donkey Kong down. Oh, yeah, because you're missing the ones with the... Uh, I forgot what they're called. The little... barrier. The uh, Barrels? No, the... Were those things called the steel beams? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. The what platform? Platforms. We'll call them platforms, yeah. yeah. Um, so...
0: That's another way, like these guys can get higher scores, is they have more levels to go through before
1: it cycles back around. And that's true too. Yeah. yeah but regardless, it's an it's an insane test of skill because it's a tough game. Yeah. There's even a, a cool scene where Steve Weeby has his, um, I think it's like a pencil or something where he draws on yeah. the screen on his arcade screen to oh, show yeah. like where it's the like patterns a chalk are. Pencil, yeah. yeah. It's like a chalk pencil erasable. Uh, so it's like it shows you the level that you're getting to, where you're literally going down like what patterns,
2: the pixel perfect,
1: the pixel know, perfect patterns. Yeah,
2: because on one of them, the one with the barrels, you could um, you manipulate could do them. manipulate it by like going in a certain direction, and then Steve figured that out. Uh, you can like make a hard right and a hard left, and then you could make the barrels go a certain, dir- or the springs go a certain direction mm-hmm. with that. So that was pretty neat. That was a really neat scene to see. It that. was.
1: I yeah. liked it because it kind of showed you, you know, what what they're doing to get to that level. Yeah. Uh, so. There's, there's a scene where, excuse me, there's a point in the movie where Steve Weeby submits one of his scores, and then somehow, I don't know how this happens, but his score is disputed by Billy Mitchell, slash Twin Galaxies, and Walter Day. So there, this is a pretty pivotal scene in the movie that I think is just obscene, <laughs> where they think that uh, Steve Weeby's board has been modified in some way. Yeah. You know why, though? Why they think that? Because of, uh, is it Captain Awesome? Mr. Awesome. Mr. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Schilt. Yeah. Oh, oh my god! So Mr. Awesome, uh, and and the movie kind of sets up Mr. Awesome beforehand to yeah, kind of you know man. kind of give context for why they went to Steve Weeby's house for this arcade board. <laughs> so Mr. Awesome is like, this guy is absolutely ridiculous. He's got like there's there's a there's a scene of him where he's got like a Corvette. He's got like, a woman who's wearing like a, a string bikini in the U.S. flag. He's wearing like a mankini. Yeah. Yeah, right, and like he's also. I don't, I forgot what records he had, but he was basically the the adversary. He's so sad, yeah,
2: he's so sad in that movie. You feel so bad for him, honestly. You're like, you just didn't get enough love and recognition. It's just bizarre, like, he
1: is, he's, he's like a very unique character, but of all people who have eagles in here, he has the most inflated one, but it's also the most undeserved, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, he, he has that really great line where he says if uh, he's like, I saw the, the woman who could like spin the most plates on Johnny Carson. If she can get on there for five minutes, I could, I could be famous for just like, you know, five minutes. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah. And then you hear that. You're like, gosh, that's sad, man. That's really <laughs> sad. I
0: think, uh, I think he's got a vendetta against Mitchell because he kind of did the same thing to him. Right. Like, yeah. He invalidated his Mitchell command. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so that, so now, you know, Roy Schilt has, you know, he, he has a, a stake in the game now. Yeah. So he's the one who provided Steve Weeby with the arcade board for Donkey Kong, which for Billy Mitchell, that's reason enough to, to dispute this score. Yeah. So now Brian Koo, um, I think it's Steve Sanders. I forgot the other person. There was another so guy who guy was like local to the area. That, yeah, like he wasn't. I don't know if they named them, but they went to Steve Weeby's house while he wasn't at home. Steve Weeby's a teacher. So he was teaching at this time. Yeah. And then they went home where his wife and kids are. And uh, I believe it was the, mother-in-law? Yeah, yeah. the mother in law. Yeah.
2: Yeah. His wife's mom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And she let them in. And then these guys went to their garage where the, ar- the ar- arcade was stored and took the arcade board out. <laughs> took, took pictures of it. And, and took pictures of it. And then another favorite scene of mine is when Robert Mirzak is like uh, he has pictures of the yeah. of the board, and he's like zooming in on the, all these yeah. little things like dust specks and just making yeah. up this garbage. About, Everything looks fine. Yeah. Like yeah. He's
2: talking about he's like just think that one piece of gummy on one thing <laughs> on one yeah. like, and you're like nothing looks out of line at all. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's like it co- totally could have been like hot glue for a, a circuit or something, but yeah. he thinks that like it modified the game in some way. Well, with Roy Schultz one line that is one of the best lines in the
2: entire movie is when he goes, well, I know that Roy Schiltz has uh, threatened Billy Mitchell's life. And then they ask Roy, and he's like, he threatened his own life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's why I love this movie because there's moments like that, like yeah. just the way it's edited, where it's just, yeah. you're getting like the joke and you're getting the punchline immediately right after. It. So and something funny. that's more funny than what was initially said, yeah. you know? <laughs> so after this dispute, Steve Wiebe is now so the whole thing with Billy Mitchell, right? Is like he's always talking about how you need to be in person to get these records. You have to have a, a live competition, you have to face your competitor to face. So that's what Steve Wiebe does. He goes to the fun stop fun stop no, excuse me, fun spot tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And He's, he's there to compete live and get a Donkey Kong score and then all this time Billy Mitchell is avoiding him <laughs> yep he's in Florida he, yeah. won't, he won't come to fun spot oh he won't come to fun spot that's right excuse me We're, that's later on where he, he yeah. doesn't show this up is a,
2: is this fun spot that he goes to first or is that yeah. the second one it's the one? first okay. one yeah, yeah fun yeah. spot's the first one because that one's yeah that one he um, Billy stays home yeah. and yeah. still has a master plan yeah. that's right
1: Ku is his like proxy his lackey yeah he's like, like trying to really bur- like burn up the heat <laughs> uh, turn up the heat on Billy the whole time <laughs> Yeah, he's he's sort of like the surrogate there. But so, so then we're introduced to Doris Self, oh, right? What do you yeah. guys think of Doris? Doris Self is like the sweetest old lady. She's the world record holder for Cubert. She's eighty plus years old. I wanted yeah. I
0: wanted a whole separate movie on her. I know like. I would have loved a movie
1: about her. She was so sweet.
3: It was it was interesting because it's like the only thing about that movie where you're like, oh well, maybe Billy's not that bad. And the then point. he yeah. blows it because I mean, like that is a legitimately great thing he's doing for her for okay. no real ulterior okay. motives. Oh, no, but.
2: Yeah, no, it's not. It has ulterior motives. (laughs) What does he say to her?
3: He gives her that tape. I understand. I I I understand. He does ask her to bring this tape in to show them. And what does he say when he gives it to her? Could have got that to them by anyway. But he didn't.
2: That's why I'm like, you're right. This would have been the thing. This would have been the thing that you could have been like, Billy. Thank God you. uh, You know, you're like, oh, you're redeemable. And then he gives him the
3: tape. I, I I was just saying, like, I'm pretty sure he does that for her, regardless.
1: I would think, so here's the thing. I, I know oh. I get what Mike's saying, mm-hmm. and I would say that Mike is probably more correct, <laughs> but I also think you're correct in a sense, too, because Billy Mitchell probably loves Dora Self, exactly. right? Like, he probably knows her well. He probably, you know, she probably bake cookies for him, too, right? <laughs> She doesn't threaten him in any way. Yeah, but like Mike said, the quote is, uh, so the whole thing is that Billy Mitchell, like Mike <laughs> said, is not going to Fun Spot. So he's got a, a plan because, as his own quote says, Billy Mitchell always, always. has a plan. Yeah. So he's 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 tasking door self with a VHS tape, and he says, "You can lose your luggage, but don't lose the tape." Yeah. yeah. So, so screw what happens to door self.
2: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm, you could say that he's doing the altruistic thing, but ultimately this is just for him. Yeah. That's but, why yeah, there so. is a there is a part where you think he
0: could be. Um, altruistic because he doesn't know that Steve is going to break exactly. it at, at Funspot. Yeah. He
3: would have had to have made those arrangements for her to get the Cubert arcade in the first place. He doesn't want to send that tape until he absolutely needs to.
2: Yeah, and that's why he has Coup there. Exactly. It, yeah, but uh, and I, I'm with you guys that like I think ultimately he's trying to do a nice thing, but it's still to his uh, benefit. Yeah, his absolutely. Song, absolutely. And absolutely. I'm not absolutely. arguing that whatsoever. Yeah. His Definitely. mom
1: even says that he works things to his he benefit. Does. Yeah, she says, like,
2: a, that's a direct quote from her, and yeah. that's what he
1: does. He, he's a giver and a taker, but he'll take more than he'll give for a sure. A million, percent. absolutely. So, so the whole impetus for this tape, right, is the fact that Bill Mitchell is threatened that, uh, Brian, or excuse me, that Steve Wiebe could break his record at fun spot. Right, so Brian Koo is his sort of liaison to this, <laughs> and then another amazing scene in the movie: Brian Koo is like giving Billy the play-by-play, like hour by hour, minute by minute, about what's happening at Fun Spot. Yeah, that's so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's filling him in on each uh, high score he has, like at every life that yeah, he down dies, to how many lives at. he has.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and then then this really illustrates like how ridiculous this gets. Just this sort of ridiculous competition between these guys, but then once. Um, Steve breaks the score, right? Then Brian Koo gets everyone in this cabin that's uh I think it's I don't know if it's Rob Menzies' cabin. I think it is. I
2: can't remember who he says it is, but yeah, they yeah. got Domino's pizza. <laughs> in, yeah, they, they
1: all got there's a bunch of Domino's pizza, there's arcade games going on. Uh there's of course there's VHS tapes cuz it's Rob Menzies' house, mm-hmm. right? And then on top of that it's invite only. So uh, Steve Weeby is not invited to this little gathering because no one knows what it's about and then uh <laughs> Brian Koo whips out this VHS tape. <laughs> and it just happens to have Billy Mitchell's number one score where he broke a million for the first time ever. And in this exact moment, so in the same moment that Steve Weeby got his glory for topping the score, yep. Billy Mitchell just merges it, pulverizes it the instant he he gets it.
2: Yeah. One thing that like to pull back a little bit when cuz when he goes there Steve Weeby breaks the record at that fun spot and mm-hmm. he gets a kill screen which is never seen live and one of, the, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is ku who like we said he's kind of like this sniveling yeah. underling he's he's one thing that he says is like he's like I'll see if he can do it with the competition breathing down his neck which is really funny but then he starts gathering everyone in the arcade to come and see this kill screen to, to really like put the pressure on and the best part is when Steve Weavey goes I really ex- was excited when those people came I was feeling kind of dragging and then all of a sudden that, that <laughs> energy kind of picked yeah. me up I was
1: like heck yeah man there you go they you <laughs> right. go. I can't like went over the scene but yeah I love like it's, it's it's like six, seven times where he's like going to different areas of the mm-hmm. arcade. Yeah. Hey, there's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming yeah. up. Here, you're interested. Yeah, like, kill Street coming up. And there. like most people don't even care. They're not even looking <laughs> yeah. at him. Yeah, <laughs> they just trying to play their damn video <laughs> games. They're like, leave us alone. <laughs> like, for people who are into Donkey Kong, like, I'm yeah. sure it was a huge moment, but for everyone else is just hanging out at a fun spot. <laughs> yeah. You got this, this nerdy weird? guy running around <laughs> yeah. saying there's a on kills me. They
2: don't even know what that is. It is <laughs> so funny, and it's, it's so funny because his idea is like I'm gonna put the pressure on, he's gonna crack. And it was actually the exact thing that Weeby needed to be able to finish. Is this well, like energy?
1: And we want to talk about how Brian Koo's like the apprentice to Bill and Mitchell, right? The whole mm-hmm. thing is that uh, Brian Koo wanted to be the first person to get the kill screen of Funspot. Oh, and he's so sad when he right, can't and, get he, it. and he and he misery fails. Like yeah. his top score was t- was a two hundred twenty nine thousand points. Yeah, yeah, right, which is like you know a fraction of even where the world record is. But then. And I think also, once he saw, like you said, Steve Weeby's getting close to kill screen, yeah. he's tr- he's going to try to get as many distractions as he can. Yeah, he was
2: throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him. And <laughs> yeah, so, like, <laughs> powered
1: him up and made him yeah. do it anyway. Yeah, that's why like, it's the best. It's the best. Oh, man. Okay, so then once they're in the cabin, they view this tape and it rolls all zeros for the first time ever. And Billy Mitchell's now the world record holder but they haven't exactly recorded in the history of twin, da- tw- twin Galaxies. Because even when you see this tape, when they show it on the movie, there's this weird, uh, it's tracking is what it is. Which yeah, is it's it, going to sound really old for Law lot of people, but it's like when you see like snow <coughs> on, on the TV screen from your VHS tape. Mm-hmm. So right when he rolls over the million, there's like this weird just streaking. Just on the score, too. Yeah, just Not on, on any score. other part of the, the, the video, except for the score. Yeah, just the left side of the screen. So it really looks suspicious just from us, just watching it. And then even Walter Day and others kind of, you know, second-guessed. And they're like, well, what was that about? Like, what happened? And then you don't hear what Billy Mitchell says, but Walter Day's like, oh, so it was from a copy, which it's like, I don't know if what kind of, you know... It, for me, it kind of at questions the credibility of a word record. It's oh. like, okay, I'll well, just believe what the competitor says, regardless, because he's Bill Mitchell. Yeah, and he's a ju- uh, He's a, a ref. He's the yeah. ref and the owner. Yeah,
3: yeah. And also, they literally just called into question Weeb's weebies. <laughs> <laughs> <I never laughs> you Sorry, Steve. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's but actually th- that's the double standard that I was talking yeah. about earlier. It's like at least the one that he sent in was perfectly clean. There was no weird nonsense with the scoreboard. There was even stuff that he was doing this while his kid was asking him to daddy, please wipe my butt. (laughs) He kept it all in. He kept all of it in there. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it looks, I don't know how much of this is the director like doing his thing, but it looks really fishy. And the fact that they all took it as gospel just because of who this guy is was that's the part where you really do lose any kind of like uh sense of like not rooting for Steve because you're like, okay, clearly th- this whole entire community is against him. Not just, just this one guy, like a whole community of people.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too, is that um, earlier, or while this is happening, they're interspersing scenes of Robert Mirzak talking about different kinds of score manipulation. Right. And then they're showing the tape from Billy Mitchell. And then the Cruella Billy's kind of like, well, we like, what, what's really going on here? Like, is it really, is really impartial when <laughs> when Billy Mitchell is professing how you need to be in person to get these scores, and he submits a tape from Florida.
0: That was the one part I didn't get. Was uh, I mean, I got it because of the narrative that they were building, but like he, like you said, Robert was telling you specifically how these things could be manipulated, and you're looking at it being manipulated, or po- you know possibly, and li- like you said, nobody nobody ever said any like two words about it, but. Um, the other thing was Steve's initial score on tape was also the first one over a million and was uh on Twin Galaxies site for like, what, a week? Yeah, <laughs> they, they, like had, that. they had it up
1: there before they pulled it down. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and so that was, I think, what really hit hard was that, not that it broke the record, but it was the first million, and then all of a sudden Billy just happened to have this other million. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. <laughs> and it... And it's a bummer too for him for Steve because they broke, they took his down on the suspicion. Mm. Like they didn't find anything and they did a full investigation. This one has suspicion and they're just like, no, we're good. We're not even going to investigate. We're fine. Like,
1: yeah, you know, yeah, it it is pretty bad. So, and Billy Mitchell's been critical of this movie. He says he's never watched it, right? And he's also talked about how. And, yeah, and I right. tend to agree with, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. Like there's no way this guy's in a movie and not <laughs> seeing himself in it. I mean, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, you know, his, his point was how you know, the, the directors <laughs> kind of molded the narrative around him, which is also fair because you do need those two, you know, you need, like you said, Mike, a protagonist and antagonist, uh, which yep. it has to make the movie work and it does for this. So after the tournament ends and this whole thing is awarded to Billy Mitchell for being a world record holder, Steve Wiebe is essentially deflated and he's done. And then nine months later, he finds out that Guinness World Records is starting to publish Twin Galaxy scores, and this is where it sets up the sort of final tail end of the movie where Steve Weebe's now trying to have an interactive competition with Billy Mitchell. And this is where Billy Mitchell is totally avoiding him.
2: Yeah, he's like calling him and 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 saying like, "Hey." you know, let's meet at, uh, I don't remember what the name of the tournament was. I don't remember either. I think it was, they just I, can't something remember. I wish them. I remembered. Yeah. Um, but there's like going to be a tournament down in Florida where Billy is from. And it's actually, I think in, in his or- hometown, Orlando or uh, Hollywood or oh, Hollywood, Florida. That's right. Yeah. It's and he's down the street. From yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, so they're like, Hey, let's do a competition. Like, why don't we both try and beat this donkey Kong thing? And so Steve, who uh, brings his wife and kids to this place, and we haven't even talked about his wife, who's like a saint in this movie, That's, who deals yeah, with absolutely. this insanity the yeah. whole time. Yeah. So he brings his wife and kids with him, and he's going to try and beat it. And he's there every day grinding on this Donkey Kong machine. And um, Mitchell won't won't face him, won't challenge him. And even at this this is kind of when Walter starts to get realize that like something's up with Billy, because
1: he won't do it no matter what. He won't face him. Yeah, he, he actively avoids him, and it's uh, he's calling him. There's even a point in the movie where Billy is literally just walking behind Steve. Yeah, like he glances at the arcade and just walks on by, and like Steve's like trying to look at him, like trying to say hello, yeah. and and Billy's just like looking the other way. What does he say? He says something. <laughs> of
3: course, there there's certain people you don't want to spend too much time with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the most ridiculous one. <laughs> <That's life. right. laughs> which I, I do think that uh, the criticism was that there was something cut from that, like they did have an interaction, maybe, but that it was completely cut, which I could I could totally buy.
2: In the same scene they don't cut that line where he says, I'm like the abortion debate. Billy Mitchell says that and you're like, God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You're a son of a yeah. yeah, like, yeah. He's right. trying you're to say son you're son damned
1: if you do, if you're damned if you don't. Yeah. It's if he picked like the most ridiculous extreme that yeah. makes <laughs> <Yeah. no I'm laughs> sense. I am like, come on. It's like man. the abortion issue. Yeah. You're a son of a gun. If you're for it, you're a son of a gun if you're against yeah. it. Yeah. I loved
0: <laughs> I loved the part where they were talking to um, was Steve Sanders? Yes. Uh, Outside, and they were asking him if he had spoken to Billy. He's like, "Oh, I talk to him every day." And they're like, "Is he gonna come down?" He's like, "No, no, he's too busy." He drives up. right <laughs> yeah, behind. Immediately him. pulls up. <laughs> he's, he's, he's,
1: he's
2: in a a van. his car. Yeah. <laughs> in That's,
1: his face. His it's face. great because it's like a, it's a fan van, like it's yeah. just like a, a freaking Toyota yeah. Odyssey or something. <laughs> he
2: brings his wife, who's had like. Most of the money that Billy has earned has gone into her face and boobs at this point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. So, so that's it. So Steve Wiebe at that tournament doesn't achieve any re- record score. He just no. he just you know kind of loses. It. He just can't do what he needs to do. And then the end of the, the at the end of the movie, it's revealed that Steve Wiebe eventually did break the score. Uh, he got one million forty nine thousand one hundred in uh, August two thousand six. Uh, that was great in two thousand six, but it's since been beaten. I think the top score now, I don't know if I put it on here, but um, it's, it's changed hands a lot. Oh, it's uh, by Robbie Lakeman. It. Uh, three years ago, he got one million two hundred sixty thousand seven hundred, which is that's crazy, insane. It's two hundred thousand more than what Steve Wiebe got. That's wild. Yeah,
3: I really think this movie woke up a lot of those people that oh, were like, yeah. oh that that seems like the record to have in video games because there's been this documentary on it. Yeah. So I better try and go after that. Yeah. And I believe that it was after they, you know, in the post uh, before the credits, they do mention Steve Wiebe Weeby eventually <laughs> does defeat that, but then it wasn't not that long after that Billy Mitchell did it again too. Yeah. Yeah, there was
1: a lot of back and forth for a while. But yeah. then, did he though?
2: Well, but, no. Yeah. That's another thing in the movie too is that Walter takes down Billy's record.
3: Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think it was Walter anymore. At it that said point,
2: was no it? in the end of the movie. He says something like that. I don't so think it was, it was Walter. It no, I think movie. it was
3: when Twin Galaxies like had changed different, hands. different owners. Yeah. Okay. And then they 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 disparred all of Billy Mitchell's scores. Yeah.
2: He no longer has any score up on Twin Galaxies website at all.
1: That's right. So um, what we'll, what we're kind of alluding to is like uh, over the last i said like three or four years, uh, Phil and Mitchell's records have come into question. There's like a bunch of YouTube videos. There's a bunch of articles. Like it's this whole huge lawsuit where his scores were said to have been accomplished on, uh, on emulators versus real hardware. And Billy Mitchell has fought tooth and nail, spent, like, I don't know how much money you would have had to have spent on lawyers yeah. to get his scores reinstated and for defamation. There's been literal depositions and stuff, guys.
2: It's crazy. For video games. Yeah, we sued YouTubers. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, he did? I, I didn't yeah. read about that yes, part. So, the, remember the, the video that he sent yesterday about the whole red joystick thing? He mentions in the video, is like, as someone who's been in litigation with with Billy Mitchell, and I was like, Hmm. So I went back to his history and that's one of the videos that I fell asleep to really early yesterday was, (laughs) was listening to him talk about how he spent a hundred and something thousand dollars on a Billy Mitchell lawsuit.
1: Oh my God. Um, and
3: Billy Mitchell suing him again, but luckily there is some people that were like contributing that really stepped up a lot on his behalf. So it's not like he himself is having to put up all this money.
1: I see. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's still going. I don't think any of the scores have been reinstated. Not that I could find. No. Um, and I feel like this thing is just, like, the, to illustrate how big of an he has. Like, this has been three or four years where he's been nonstop Who's Like, I've seen interviews with him where he's talking about how he's been defamed and, like, his scores were, you know, legitimate. And, like, all mm. this is just a bunch of garbage that's been made up. Um, and Steve Wiebe is just living his life. He's been making yeah. music like we talked about, the king of song. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's done with competition. I didn't really what? find anything. Yeah, it sounds like he's just, like, a, he goes to conventions sometimes. And
2: uh, he's just a teacher. And... He's got kids and a family, like because that's all he was really was a guy who got kind of pulled into the world, as opposed to someone who thrived in it or like you know was was immersed in it, born into it. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) He he mentions that like
3: you know after his um, pitching career comes to an end, that you know he was looking at the Donkey Kong high score and thought, well, I could do that. That might be fun to try and just have the Donkey Kong world record. Like he just kind of did it on a whim and just got really, really pulled into it.
1: Yeah, he, for his wife and well, all of his friends were singing it to them. We were like, he's one person who gets really hyper focused on certain things. And like, he likes to learn things. Like, they show him being a drummer, they piano. show him as an artist, piano. So, it's like he's one of those people where if something catches his interest, it sounds like he's going to go 100%, 110% into it. Right. Yeah. And now, I guess, it, you know, music is his thing and just being a dad, which is great because. You know, like you said, Mike, there was a lot of complaints with his wife, which were fair yeah. <laughs> and valid. Yeah, his
2: wife comes off, like I said, like, kind of like a saint, because she kind of deals with this insanity. And it does become insanity after a while for any normal human to deal with. And she's just kind of rolls with it as best she can. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, for me, I think that's all we really have on this movie. Like, it's, it's one of my personal favorites. It's kind of, this is kind of a quick hitter episode. We only did one movie, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, but, fellas, any last comments on King of Kong? Where would you put it in terms of documentaries? Is it something you'll rewatch watch multiple times? I've rewatched watched this movie a ton. Oh, what yeah. i see it some.
3: I have seen it quite a few times. It, it had been a few years since I watched it, and I was still just as enjoyed, getting just as much enjoyment out of it this time as I did the first time I saw it.
1: Michael.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I watch it, just like you said, all the time. I'm a big documentary guy. It goes up there. It's going to sound silly, guys. For people who are big documentary people, but it goes up there with all all of the Ken Burns docs that you probably love. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow! No, for real, it goes yeah. up there with We Were uh, When We Were Kings. It goes <laughs> up there with Fog of War, which sounds silly for like great documentaries because it's it's kind of its own genre of documentary, I'd even say. But you will have just so much fun in a world that you knew that you nothing about that you have no immersion in. You'll have so much fun just living in this insane niche world for a little bit for two hours.
3: It's docutainment.
1: Yeah. That, that's a good word. Yeah, it really is. It's not, yeah, yeah. it's
2: not an educational, though it does a little bit, you know, but it's, it's definitely more entertainment documentary than it yeah. is uh, Yeah, educational documentary. I, uh, I was going to say, Randy put a, uh, a great nail on the,
0: the head there. Like, it's not, I wouldn't put it in a list with other documentaries because I love uh, Senna, mm-hmm. and there's this yeah. one called Ketty where yep. it's about uh, stray cats in, I believe, Turkey. And it's all that is strictly informational, mm-hmm. and this is definitely informational. Like I, I was not aware of the high scores and, and just how big this scene is. But at the same time, you
2: do get a, a hero and a villain out of it. You do it's, like it's similar to Don's favorite
1: documentary. The what's the name American of movie it was movie. about to mention. So same idea, that. right? For me, yeah. Because for me, from my perspective, I love documentaries about normal people yeah. because that's. I mean, like, any movie's written, it's usually based off of something, right? based off of someone, some experience you have. So, for me, like, um, King of Kong is one of, those, one of those movies where I love video games. This is about video games. These are, like, the ultimate nerds. But they're normal people and just being themselves. Like, that's, nothing's really forced. It might be a little embellished. But for me, it's it's a fun ducking rate. It's really short. I think it's only like an hour and twenty, hour yeah, twenty-five. It's like an yeah, an hour really 25 quick, and it goes like quick
2: too. You don't feel slogged at all. At yeah,
1: really digestible, and uh, yeah, and absolutely right. Like for me, this is, I wouldn't quite put it up there with American movie for me. Like for me, that American movie is like a top five movie. I would love to yeah. talk about that at some point. Yeah. Um. But it, it, yeah, this movie just for that reason, it's it's definitely one of my favorites.
0: This uh, this actually reminds me more and. Uh, Mike will know about this. It reminds me of Drive to Survive on Netflix. Oh, yeah. About yeah, yeah. Uh, Formula One seasons. Year after year, they do it and they follow them throughout the season and Story-wise. gather all this information and then they edit it to be crazy stories about like rivalries and things like that and, and the drama of not having enough money to compete well and stuff like that. Whereas, like, you could watch the sport at any point and see, oh, yeah, it's pretty. Pretty normal, just cars Land. racing around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: a lot of the Oh, sorry, Andy, go ahead.
3: Oh, no, it's fine. I, I was just gonna mention that, you know, we didn't talk about it, but there was supposed to be a live action movie made of this, correct? With Will well, Ferrell. At, at some point. Oh. Yeah, wait, is that who it was? I yeah, didn't know it was with Will Farrell. That would be I didn't incredible. Know about Will Ferrell. I was gonna ask you guys who do you see playing these yeah, characters? No, oh he was connected
2: God. to do Billy Mitchell for yes. a while. Oh, and I can't amazing. remember who was gonna be Weeby, but there was a, like right after this movie came out, there's a lot of talks. And there still is talks because the director is obviously a very famous comedy director. Yeah. But uh, originally, yeah, there was, and I and I think it was gonna be John C. Riley playing Weeby, or maybe the opposites. I don't know, one of the two. But it was like because they were, it was they were hitting stepbrother fame mm-hmm. right at the same time that this That's movie right. came out. Yeah, So they were. So yeah, there was a lot of rumors about them making this movie uh, live action with Will Ferrell, I think, as Billy Mitchell, which would have been perfect. It would have been incredible. That, that would
3: have been a really good one. Uh, I one that sticks out to me And I'm thinking about Mirzak and I'm just looking at him and I'm thinking, you know. Rain Wilson. Oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he looks would be like 100%. Dwight. he, would be reimboc- yeah, he, would he basically be is sure. Dwight. Yeah. Really, exactly. <laughs> that's 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 the vibe I was getting from Mirzak, Zach was this this Dwight vibe.
0: <laughs> I could see um, Diedrich Bader as Mr. Awesome. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> no, yeah. He was like that 100%. in the playing dynamite. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, oh, Zach Alfinakis, I think, as Weeby. Oh, that would that be could good. work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But what about the most important casting of the movie? Brian Koo. Oh, man, because he's oh. such a... He's really... Normal. I think he's really hard to pin like, because... Like Littlefinger from uh, Game of Thrones? Kind of oh, like...
2: Can you who he is? Yes, like, you'd have the, that actor be him? <laughs> I don't even know Littlefinger. I mean, he's, uh,
3: he's a great actor. He could probably do it.
2: <laughs> but it had to be, like, some kind of... Like, it's hard to think of now, but it would remind me of, like... Um, what's his name? McLovin in uh, like if you kind of made him yep. that kind of that kind of um, oh yeah
3: Koo to me kind of came off like the real life version of Napoleon Dynamite's older brother like oh, that's that, yeah. that is that is exactly the kind of vibe <laughs> I got from him <laughs> yeah. you know like he's gonna specifically when he says he wants to be the first one to achieve the kill screen and all right, Weeby's out. I'm going to go and take my turn and like I mean, just yeah, almost maybe. like immediately eliminated. Yeah. I just yeah. imagine Napoleon Dynamite's brother like after failing and just running away. Uh, you
2: know, I'll say this in, in Koo's defense. Uh, one of the lines in the movie was I retired at 30. So yes. he did something, right? So,
1: and and we could bring that up now too but I, you know, because that struck me back then. This was like 16 years ago when we saw the movie. Yeah. And I was like, what? Did he do to retire? And I couldn't find what he did beforehand, but eventually he worked at Twin Galaxies, oh. and uh, I, I put this in for you guys. But he, one of his other things that he sold his paycheck from Twin Galaxies. It was it was a cash paycheck, but he sold it because. He was the only employee, I guess, in the history of Twin Galaxies to have worked 111 hours on his paycheck like yeah. in a week or something. So he auctioned it off. And, of course, no one bought it because it's like, why would I want Brian Koo's Yeah, who would, yeah, would want this to begin with for any amount of hours? I don't care. Unless was like, I was going
2: to get the money yeah. off of it.
3: The, the Brian Koo to Brian Koo would have yeah. wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he buys his own
2: paycheck back and sold. Yeah, he would have bought it himself. I'll put over asking price. The guy who
3: right? looks at him like he's Billy Mitchell. I'm going
2: yeah. to frame this right when I get it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah oh man i wouldn't even want to pay like cost for the check that it was <laughs> coming
1: what would be like a stamping, like... <laughs> or just like if i
2: got the amount that was on the check like yeah. <laughs> i still wouldn't i wouldn't want to pay for that yeah, you get a
1: 650 check for 200 bucks that yeah. makes sense yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> man all right well uh, any any last things to add to this fellas like any any final moments comments quotes that uh, really resonate with you or anything we could leave them off with
3: uh, quotes wise, it's really hard not to be just you know. There's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up, in case anyone's interested. Yeah. Just repeated <laughs> ad nauseum. Yeah,
2: my favorite scene and line in the entire movie is the one I'll always quote because it's not it's not like one of the more quotable lines. It's not one of the more funny scenes, but it's just a microcosm of this movie. So when they're giving uh, when b- they're doing the show for Billy to show his new record, uh, they have everybody in this cabin and they are. um and they're watching this. They're watching the video, and and you know, Koo the whole time is like, nobody's gonna miss this. Nobody's gonna miss this. Be like, all eyes are on there, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's this is ridiculous how yeah. he's like play by playing this. Um, but eventually, at the end, he's like, everybody saw it, and then Billy, because Billy doesn't really give a crap about Steve or about Koo the whole time. Absolutely like he, not. You could just tell he's just a means to an end. Yeah. Um. But he's like, can you hand me to? I can't remember the name of the guy is like John or Dave or something like that, and. Uh, who looks over, he's like, Oh, would you believe it? He's got a ladybug score going, and it pans over to this guy, yeah. and he's got like a cut off shirt, and he's kind of muscly, and he's got like slick back, I think he's got a ponytail, yeah. And he's like, and he's just jamming away on ladybug. And that, that is the movie that to me, if you had to sum up a scene in the movie, it's that scene. I think, uh, I think what summed up the movie
0: for me was early on when uh, they're talking to Billy about Donkey Kong, and he just blows this thing out of proportion like it's the greatest end-all be-all video game that's ever been and you're like you're gonna be sweating over this you need the the fastest hand-eye coordination i was just sitting there going no, Has this guy
2: ever played Tetris or like <laughs> literally
0: anything else? Yeah, like... Anything that
1: isn't the three games he's known for? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a hard,
2: it's a hard game, but there's a lot of hard games.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. but
0: it's like, you don't need like Twitch reactions or anything like that. I was just like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing with this.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a couple of my favorites. There's one by Billy Mitchell talking about Brian Koo because he also gives Brian Koo, you know. The... So once Doris self-gives or delivers a tape, Brian Koo has mm-hmm. possession of it. Mm-hmm. And Billy warns uh, Brian, I explained to him, he can lose his what wa- life, but not the tape. Yeah. yeah. The tape. That's so why I'm like, he's not out. out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, to further, to further reinforce your point. Yeah. He's like, this man could die. Yeah, if Brian it? Koo got hit by a bus, he shake the tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had he had sure resuscitate <laughs> the tape Hope, first. Hopefully, he
2: threw it out of yeah. the way. It's got it's kinda like, a, it's a, kinda like one of those life alert bracelets.
1: What is like for the kill switch when your heart goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, at least he didn't say that door. Yeah, <laughs> just her like, luggage. This is more he than said your luggage, yeah. not your life. Because her Maybe life Brian's wasn't life. that important to him. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other personal favorite, more uh, weightlifting glove friend. Uh, oh yes, he's in the arcade. He says you don't see too many DDGs here. That's. <laughs>
3: That is the best line. <laughs> you DDGs or DDGGs? You know, D-D-G. said, he said uh, DDG, D-D-G's. but he says D-D-G's, girls. Yeah. He says,
1: you don't see many, too many DDGs here. That's drop-dead gorgeous girls playing arcade games here. Yeah, <laughs> DDGs. I just, that is such a nerdy thing to say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> me an acronym to talk about how gorgeous girls are not playing at their game.
2: yeah women. and then like the the most calm like serene you know like milk toast acronym for hot women too, <laughs> ddgs <Yeah. laughs> that's how they describe beautiful
1: images drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, that's, dead gorgeous that's it that's what they landed on all right well i i think that about does it for us on this episode uh i think i think this is the first time we've done like a single movie which is kind of fun it's a little bit different yeah uh, it's fun but it's fun revisiting this documentary. i think if you haven't checked it out uh unfortunately it's not or excuse me it's it's available on youtube mm-hmm. excuse me good uh, quality too like yeah mm-hmm. yeah someone I want, just, it. someone upload like a free version whatever you want to call it it's been out for three years so i don't think it's going to be in danger of going down and of course it's available like on you know digital storefronts, but it's on youtube don't don't pay money for this when it's free there and then of course you can buy it on dvd which is how i have it it's one of my <laughs> favorites and with that any last words fellas
3: i think we covered just about everything
1: all right well wow. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys. Um, And uh, as we say on Legion Gaming, press start to continue. To continue continue listening. (laughs) 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 What do
2: you guys usually say on that? Press start to continue. Listening.
1: Well, okay, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you guys have really not done this. No, no. no. Well, <laughs> but, I, I just looked and like I was gonna cue him up. <laughs> yeah, really, it didn't work. I, out. Like, I really just held it up for him. and he just was like staring at my I'm eyes. So, just, we so, had that moment together. That it was is great.
0: that is copyrighted on ours. Yeah, that's on right, right. Just... well, it's a
1: crossover episode. Yeah, <laughs> <ours> is, <laughs> like our guest from there. Ours is Hollywood Video. Huzzah!
0: <laughs> yeah. Do we have? Is that Hollywood Video? This will never fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And with yeah. that, friends, <laughs> uh I guess we'll sign off. Thank you all for listening. See you guys.
3: One lie is one too many.
1: Two lies are more than plenty. But three lies I'll probably be saying. Goodbye,
2: love. probably be, be saying. One lie is one too many. Two lies are more